This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. Yo. There's certain things that I can talk to you about that I can't really with my dad. I don't think we should talk about this. Good morning. This is Dr. Lynn Ponton of uh, Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen. And I have Jen with me here this morning, too. And we're going to approach an interesting uh, topic, I think, for the whole world. I think it's super relevant, and I'm excited to talk about it. The group we're going to be speaking about today is really uh, one that uh, resides in the entire world. It's a group of young people, which is defined or referred to now as emerging adults. And these are the young people often between 17 and 25, but really probably extending up until the 30s basically. And uh, so I, I might even say to 35, given, given enough leeway at that end. We first became interested in this subject because a couple years ago, I was asked to give a talk at the Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, is actually a symposium where I worked on and coordinated a talk uh, related to emerging adults and their needs for therapy and uh, their specific difficulties in coming out of family home situation, finding work, uh, struggling with mental illness, all of those things. And then what further pushed us to discuss this with you, our listener, is that uh, the International Organization of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry has now asked for an additional talk on this subject, and it's specifically about risk-taking or taking on risk and challenge in areas that you know very little about, and we've done an earlier podcast on this, but especially talking about how this affects young adults, the emerging adult, and families. So we've done a lot of work in this area, and Jen's been working hard on it too. Yeah, it's been fun to look up some of the more recent research just to see how things are changing. And I think you touched upon this already, but it's really this idea that this group of individuals, which I am a part of, is really there's a shift happening that is creating a different pathway than there's been in the past. And I think people working with or interfacing with people in this age range are seeing that there are some unique factors around this group. And so it's really created the need for the title emerging adults, because it's not the way it was before, where it was sort of seen as you move from adolescent straight to adult. They're really seeing there's this in-between period. And some of the factors that really play a role for this population, these are environmental factors and this is worldwide, is really decreasing value of high school or college education, you know, which has formerly been, you know, very much esteemed, uh, still is very necessary, but young people are coming out with degrees and not finding the opportunities that once existed. Uh, rising cost of rent and living, so uh, about a quarter of these young people are back in the family homes in some setting uh, because they're unable really to afford, you know, a, special, a separate residence. 
Um, and there's a whole range of other difficulties, difficulties with health care, competition for employment, um, decreasing connectedness among families, uh, probably more a problem in the industrial countries where you've already got the parents still working in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And now you've got the young people at home really wanting jobs maybe that the parents still have and the parental generation still has, and a real struggle around some of those issues related to employment. Well, I think it creates new challenges that haven't been dealt with before. And so we have to come up with creative solutions. And I think along those lines is, I mean, obviously, I wasn't around before my time. But (laughs) what I've noticed is with kids that are in my age group and younger, there's really this coming of age sense of a quarter life crisis. So before there was the sense of, you know, there's the midlife crisis, but now there's really this sense of sort of the quarter life crisis. And I think crisis can be seen in a negative way, but crisis is really just an opportunity for things to go one way or another. And so it's looking at you know, some of those factors you were talking about and how can we come up with solutions to support people through these changes? Because what I see is it's really a time that's defined by uncertainty. And during times of uncertainty, it really brings up the way we engage with risk. Yes. And uh, one of the first things we see, and we see it with a lot of families, our anxieties are, are coming up, both for the parents who are maybe struggling with the grown-up children at home and feeling like, wasn't I supposed to get rid of them or weren't they supposed to be gone by this age? Right, and they feel like they're failures. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and that translates to how a lot of the kids feel. The parents feel like we're, we failed, you know, that we're in a really different social situation and spot. With risk-taking, risk-taking is a tool that can help both the parents, and the young person out of the situation. And I think we always think of dangerous risk, but most risk is healthy risk where we take on new challenges and we try to change our life in many ways. Absolutely. And I think it's about Looking at this from a bigger frame as we're talking about, I think people have focused on emerging adults and how it impacts them as an individual, but it's really affecting a whole family system, the whole social system too, right? But when we're looking at it, these emerging adults are not living in their own autonomous lives per se. If they're back home, they're having to renegotiate new boundaries with their parents. They're having to negotiate things like curfews. And I know you know, that it's not something that is easily discussed for some people. And then on top of that, if you're layering on the parents' own anxieties, then it can get very clouded. And I see myself having a lot of clients where I'm engaging in therapy, helping them learn to navigate these new challenges. I am working with the family and there's a boy, let's name him Richard. and, And Richard is in his early 20s, back from college, still not having finished it but really struggling, you know, with his parents around just the things you mentioned, the curfew, uh, substance use substance use, is a yeah. big one because, um, you know, he smokes weed in uh, vapes to stay calm and the parents are horrified with this and they drink because they don't feel very calm either. And the household has become, you know, quite different than it was. And the parents also leave. They go on a lot of trips to avoid being around Richard. 
So you've got a kind of dysfunctional family that's really erupted around this crisis. Yeah. And so I think it's about figuring out how do you help people recognize their roles? How do you recognize what you're contributing to the situation? And as therapists, how do we help them develop a healthier model of relating? Because as we were talking about, you know, one of the things that we did for this talk is create the 10 tips for partnering with emerging adults in risk taking. Mm -hmm. And as one of our first tips, we're talking about how the risk taking we've talked about starts, well, it starts when you're way young, but certainly it's part of the identity development during adolescence. And it it's really continues into emerging adulthood. And ideally, you know, you're hoping that it's going to pick up on the adolescence move toward autonomy or that sense of independence and really take it further to something a little more complex and dynamic, which is how do you figure out the interdependence. So having your own independence, but also understanding that you're part of a network and therefore dependent in that way. And I hope, Jennifer, you know, we can't really say this is fortuitous because so many families are struggling with this situation, but it offers opportunity to learn intergenerationally about how to interact. And I think it was a false model in America that everybody turns 18 and leaves home and that's the end of it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think we have to learn as a nation how to work together better. It's obvious from everything we read. But this is a way, I think, that within families, we could learn about others and and look at beliefs and values and things that work that way. Parents can encourage emerging adults to take healthy risks. Mm -hmm. You know, parents can recognize that unhealthy risk-taking, such as maybe substance abuse, not use really, results from anxieties and not feeling very good about themselves. And I think that's such a key point is I see so many people self-medicating in that way and getting more controlling, getting on top of somebody in that situation does not support them in a healthy way. It makes them feel more shame. And so Of course, you need to set boundaries and regulations, but you need to be able to do it in a more equitable feeling way. And that actually has better results. But I think there aren't necessarily a lot of models for how to do that type of interaction. One of the studies that you found for the the talk that we worked on together was really about which type of parenting styles really complement risk-taking. And it's not the authoritarian parent who's very controlling. That results in in actually impulsive and periodic risk-taking and unhealthy risk-taking and then decreased healthy risk-taking. And I want to add to that too, is it results in a lot of hostility. Yeah, anger. Mm -hmm. Anger toward the parents who are controlling you. Right. So I think that group, you know, parents, I think, do often think, gee, I haven't set enough limits. This is why, you know, Richard's back home sort of thing. I've really got to do it now. Yeah. Instead of realizing it's time for a reevaluation. Mm-hmm. And it may not be Richard's fault that he's back home. There's a lot of environmental factors. A quarter of all families in the U.S. have the situation. Yeah. You know, so it exposes, you know, really our philosophy of independence has to be questioned, and the interdependent model is a better one to really consider. 
Well, the interdependent (laughs) model is the one that's actually reflected in society when you look at how people function. And as a therapist, I come from a family systems background. And so I've always looked at these dynamics. Like it's important to have your own independence, but we do not function in this vacuum. And so I think being able to help other people see that the interdependence isn't actually an unhealthy dependence. It's really part of negotiating healthy boundaries. And I think the other thing is people don't necessarily consider the different, what is the right word, like the different aspects of their independence. So you being emotionally close is often very healthy, but being physically close may not work for everybody. And so you have to negotiate these things differently. So it's not like you say, oh, here are these different factors. They all need to be the same. They're all being negotiated and will have different results. Yes. I think one other thing to keep in mind, parents can model healthy risk-taking, you know, ourselves. And uh, also, we can take risks together. You know, emerging adults and parents can engage in simultaneous risk-taking. And one of my daughters and I, when she was in more of a struggle during this period, she'd come out of some tough exams kind of in the middle of the 20s and locked in. And we went on a trip to Alaska and did a lot of uh, kind of really out there things. And she was on top of it, pulling me up, you know, faces of mountains (laughs) and things. And it made her youth and strength really shine. And she talks about that as the best trip we ever took. And I think it did a lot for her, but it did a lot for me. It convinced me I could still keep going, Mm -hmm. but it made me aware, really, of what she could do. Well, I imagine it also shifted things because, as you were saying, it made you aware of what she could do. What I hear from those trips, too, is that maybe presenting the other side being sort of, you know, 32 right now is it also shows that that dependence isn't a negative thing. Wanting to have your parent there to support you isn't negative. It isn't a sense that you're not a full adult. And I think that's a very, quote unquote, American idea is you have to be on your own and independent. But we really don't function that way. And it's healthy to want to be supported by your parents. And to share, to have the opportunity to share. And it's healthy for parents to feel okay about engaging and providing that support. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to be shamed in front of other parents. We can be proud of the connections we've built. We can really see that this mutual Mm risk-taking is going in a positive direction. You know, one other thing I think we should just say a little bit about, because we're both therapists, is the issue of mental health issues coming up. We've already talked, you mentioned you know, the substance uh, abuse question. And the anxiety level is very high when things aren't going well. The family conflicts rise, Mm -hmm. so there's need for more family assistance and therapy in that way. Mm -hmm. And there are treatment, you know, treatments available for families under these circumstances. And I think looking for therapists to work with emerging adults is really an important question. Yeah, I think it's it's important to know you have those resources and that also, 
you know, we have to keep fighting this stigma is that it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're facing new challenges. And it's great that you're reaching out for these resources to help make things better. And you're noticing that something isn't working and you're doing something about it. And I think that's something to be applauded. Yes. Yes. I think that shows, again, the teamwork working together. And a therapy can have individual work for either the parent or the younger person and the family work where you discuss things, talk about the house, how it's going, expectations for the future. Expectations is a huge conversation that can lead to a lot of conflict. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, Young people have expectations about parents, and we know parents have expectations about young people. Works both ways there. Yeah, and I think the other thing I'd like to highlight is using the word support. It's really important to define what that support looks like because as you move into emerging adolescent, emerging adulthood, you're moving from adolescence, and so you're you're really renegotiating a more adult to adult relationship where one person is still the parent one person is still the child but it's on a slightly more adult to adult level and so therefore the conversations that you're having I think they need to not feel so top down yeah that's one of the things I've gotten from you Jen you've helped me with my own kids because it's good to have these conversations and we're working in as a mutual partnership You know, we'd like to recommend, I think for our listeners, the 10 tips for partnering with emerging adults on risk-taking. You know, part of it discusses developing a risk philosophy. Mm -hmm. That may be a new concept for some of our listeners, but both young people and adults have philosophies about risk-taking. We live in a world that's really filled with new risk. And uh, the guidelines we've written really discuss, you know, how to develop your own ideas to question risk-taking. And then the idea that you would actually have a philosophy about how you approach risk-taking of all sorts. Yeah, and we actually covered our first three tips here, and the rest we're going to post on our website, which to give people the address again is talkingsexpodcast.com. But we wanted to provide these because I think it's an area that doesn't necessarily have these guidelines presented already, and yet it's such a common thing affecting so many of our clients and so many of the families that we work with and those we don't work with. And it's not only here in America. Right. Um, you know, for our world listeners and, and knowing that I'm going to Prague to give this talk, you know, with uh, other therapists from all over the world, you know, this is a big question is how do you negotiate the emerging adulthood period with parents and adults? And the risk-taking scales are, you know, they peak in the emerging adult period, you know, worldwide. So it's not just America that has patterns of risk-taking that are intense uh, in the early 20s. It's really young people all over the world from all countries, industrialized and not. So I think that that's something else I learned from our our work together and research on this. But I think it's very important for world listeners to know that this is really applicable to everyone. And I find that so fascinating, too, because I think some on some level, people might say, oh, this is only happening in developing countries. But it's really a transition that's happening across the world in all kinds of environments. And certainly there are some of those social factors are going to be different depending on what area you're you're talking about. 
but it really is just a group that is emerging everywhere. And we're really in a period of great world change. You know, in the newspaper this morning, they were talking about the types of leaders that are rising to power all over the world. And they are different, and many of them are more authoritarian. And I think part of that is related to the change that people in the world are seeing. You know, and that that draws people back to thinking, oh, I need, you know, this voice that's going to say they've got the answer, mm-hmm. rather than seeing this as a changing process that we've all got to invest in. Well, that's what I was going <laughs> to kind of in different words is I think people are not as used to dealing with uncertainty for such an extended period of time. And emerging adulthood is really, as I said, characterized by uncertainty. And so you get people reacting in different ways based on their risk philosophies and their risk profiles to that uncertainty. And I think that's what we're seeing across Mm -hmm. the world. And that's part of why I wanted to bring this type of framework up so people can look at it and, and start examining their own risk philosophies. You know, as our listener, think about how do you approach risk and how do the people around you approach risk? What are the things you've learned about risk? Do you see the word risk as a negative word or can you see the positive associations with risk? And Jennifer, you really point out that the world has more risk available. As we expand our knowledge base, we connect online, we really see more risk in front of us. And that is scary. You know, for adults who are scared about their young people and themselves, you know, and for young people who I think you're even sometimes scared about their parents, what's going to happen here? as well as themselves. So it works uh, both directions, all directions with this. I think another interesting thing, this is going in a little bit of a different direction, but still related, is the way in which we're defining adulthood for people in my generation has shifted a lot. Because before, a lot of the things that defined you were sort of more external, I guess I would say, you know, things like, are you getting married? Do you have a stable career? Are you having children? And certainly those are parts of adulthood for some people as well. But it's really becoming a little bit more inward focused, I think, and looking at your choices, your your ability to make choices and being able to accept responsibility for yourself, you know, being able to make quote unquote independent decisions, being financially independent. And so we're moving away, not from these events happening, but from them defining the adulthood that you're experiencing. And I think along with that, goes a greater component or focus on your psychological state. Yes. So we see the importance of contentment, happiness, a sense of meaning and purpose. Yeah. And uh, more than maybe the actual actions, such as having three children or, you know, instead you're really looking at how do I feel about myself in the world that I'm living in, you know, and that's a very different goal to really be working toward. And I agree with you. I think your generation has been one of the first to really grapple with that question. And I think in some ways it's because of the success of the previous generation. You know, my parents working so hard and having the opportunities they did, they've opened up doors for us to not just have to be working whatever all the time, but to really have some time, some freedom to explore these questions. 
What do I want to be doing? What type of partnership do I want to have? You know, what am I passionate about? Those are in some ways fairly, they're not new questions, but the ability to pursue them, I think, is somewhat new. And it's changing. It yeah. really is. Well, on that note, I think it's a good place to end because you're talking about some of the questions and, and different things that emerging adults bring to our world. And they are, you know, moving on, growing up, taking over, and and they will bring different things based on these experiences and the risks that they've taken. Yeah, and I think what I want to leave our listener with is really reframing this idea of risk and that everybody can be brought along in in this risk taking and and change this paradigm from looking only at the dangerous risk to really looking at the the opportunity and how do you get through the uncertainty and how do you get through it together. Yeah, we encourage our listeners again to look for our 10 tips and you mentioned the site where they can find it. Yep, that's talkingsexpodcast.com. Okay. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Lynn. Come on. Let's talk about sex.